this always comes up during the holidays because somehow when you're around people that you know and so on, this this conversation comes up. Have you ever, and I'm I'm gonna bet you have, have you ever been having a conversation about something? Pretty off topic, like not something, you know, not not your usual stuff, but something a little off, a little off the beaten path. And all of a sudden you pick up your phone and there's an ad for it. There's an ad for it. You're like, you know, you just say, you know, back when I was seven, you know, I remember having this particular kind of snack and it was really good. And next thing you pick up your phone and, you know, you're getting ads for, for cakes and you're thinking, wait a second, how did that happen? Um, is your phone listening to you? I mean, that's the, I think everyone thinks they are, but is your phone actually listening to you or are there ways that you give away so much information about yourself online that the phone actually can guess what you're talking about in some ways uh, or apps can we'll get we'll get a technical view on this in a second mine certainly isn't but i think we've all had those moments so much so and this goes back a while but when mark zuckerberg the ceo of meta um appeared in front of congress he got asked that very question by michigan uh senator gary peters here's what uh here's how that went uh yes or no does facebook use audio obtained from mobile devices to enrich personal information about its users? No. Good. The, uh, well, Senator, let, let, me be, let me be clear on this. I mean, so you're, you're talking about this um, conspiracy theory that gets passed around that we listen to what's going on on your microphone and use that for ads. Right. We don't do that. Conspiracy theory, no less. So what exactly is going on? Because those targeted ads do seem at times to be reading your mind or at least eavesdropping. No? Um, to help us with more, help us with this is Tom Keenan. He's a professor in the School of Architectural Architecture Planning and Landscape at the University of Calgary. He's also a cyber expert and author of the best-selling book, Techno Creep. But Tom, thanks so much for your time. My pleasure. I'm sure you get asked this question because anyone who's seen your book wants to ask you this question. Uh, but, you know, it is uncanny sometimes what appears in front of you on social media when you've been talking about things. What do you think's going on? Well, I have actually changed my position on, you know, I give a lot of speeches, sign copies of the book and all that. And I, I used to say, oh, I don't think that's really happening. I've changed my mind. Now, let me explain. Even 10 years ago when I wrote Technocreep, I explained this. You look at a really nice Rolex watch on eBay or something, you're going to get it for your significant other's birthday, but, oh, it's $8,000, so maybe you don't buy it. And to drown your sorrows, you go to a completely different site like Facebook, and the ad for it is there. Now, right. even 10 years ago, I could explain how that happened because there are services like DoubleClick that sell the right to show you the ad in a kind of online auction. And you're not worth much. You're worth a small fraction of one penny. But another company puts up the ad for that very same watch. So I thought I had all explained. But with the phones, I thought, nah, it's probably just coincidence. Then I worked out how it could happen. And it's an interesting technological thing. Let's say you want an app or something, and you go to the App Store, iPhone Store, Google Play Store, and they want three ninety nine for it. And you're cheap, so you don't want to pay three ninety nine. So you go to one of those pirate app stores. Well, you may get the app, but you may get more than you paid for, which is nothing usually, because there may be malware in it. And just like your Siri or your Alexa or whatever has wake words, they can put wake words in that malware app. So maybe it's a calculator or something, you know, something very innocent. But it's got words like plane ticket or whatever. So you say to your girlfriend, hey, let's go to Japan. 
and the phone brings up an ad for Japan, even though it's the first time you mentioned it. It's it is remarkable. I mean, the old saying goes, "If it's free, the product is you." Right? <laughs> That's the, absolutely. Well, we're seeing that with smart TVs now. They're getting so cheap. And I, I just came back from the Consumer Electronics Show in Las Vegas, and there's well, a lot of concern that why are those TVs getting so cheap? Because you are the product. They are watching you, tracking your behaviors, and selling it. And that's why you can buy a giant TV for four hundred dollars. So Mark Zuckerberg mightn't be mightn't be lying when he's saying that. Um, that Facebook doesn't listen. It's highly plausible. But in some senses, you're saying that if you think your phone's a little too good at guessing what you've been talking about, or at least uh, th- that you're probably right. Technologically, your phone can always listen to you. It's got a microphone. And if you're using something like Siri or Alexa or Google Assistant, it has to be listening to you because how else would it hear its name to wake up? Now, what they tell us, for example, Amazon, I checked with them about Alexa. They said, well, we only record snippets of your conversation, listen to it, and if we don't hear the magic word, then we throw it away. And, you know, we can believe that, but let's say the CIA or CSIS or somebody, the RCMP, went to that company with a court order and said, hey, we want to listen to Ben's phone. There's pretty important national security concern here. I don't know what they would say, but they might turn over your conversation. So the possibility is certainly there technologically that you can be eavesdrop on. And, you know, there are people who actually make a point of turning their phones off if they want to say something confidential. Yeah, yeah, certainly if you're in certain countries where um, security services are, are known to eavesdrop a lot, <laughs> you do do that. <laughs> you do. When I, was, uh, when I was working in China, we used to often leave our phones behind uh, just because. What's interesting, though, is just how much information that we give away to the point that, you know, it, it's, it's not surprising that, um, that we get shown ads that feel awfully personal. A lot of the time, you know, and, and I think it's because we do give away so much about ourselves online. I and mean, what was that? You must know this study that for some reason, like a, an algorithm can figure, knows more about you than your wife does, right? About your yeah, likes and, and it, dislikes. It only needs a few data points and it can figure out who you are. As I said, at the Consumer Electronics Show, they had things like smart beds, a smart toilet that will do urinalysis. Well, that data all goes somewhere. And I spent some time with the guy who invented a sort of smart headband that helps you go to sleep. And I said, well, do you collect the data? And he said, well, yeah, we collect it to help you. I said, well, there's privacy issues there. And then I said, so could your headband actually influence my dreams? And he admitted it could. So here you have this biofeedback headband that's actually changing what you dream about. And, and you know, the, again, as you, as you pointed out, the information is, is, is really uh, the goldmine here, right? I mean, the product itself, selling the product is all great, but it's that feedback loop that it creates that seems to me to be the real goldmine for these companies. Oh, absolutely. I mean, it's called, there's a book called Surveillance Capitalism by Shoshana Zuboff, and she talks about your data exhaust, all this stuff like, uh, you know, just, you, you rent a car, okay? And if you're a millennial, you're going to pair your phone with the car's Bluetooth system. Well, guess what? When you leave, that information is still there. So the next person who rents the car, if they're a little bit malicious, can download all your contacts from the car. So I always clear out the phone, the GPS, and everything on a rental car because I don't want them to know where I've been. 
Yeah. I mean, do you ever go to an Airbnb and you realize the previous person there had left their, uh, hadn't signed out of Netflix, so you get to, or whatever, they have craves, so you get to watch something you don't usually watch. You know, like uh, I won't admit to that, but of course, and, you know, <laughs> I I, I've actually logged people off in airline lounges, like they run for their flight and they leave their bank account logged, and I go, that's not a very good idea, I think I'll log them out. <laughs> No, no. I was. It was funny. I was looking back at um, at some of the things that you talked about in your book. One of the interesting ones was genetic genealogy because it all came. I mean, it came true to the sense that you know they managed to track down um, you know suspected suspects in in murder cases. But you sort of warned about genetic genealogy being used in lots of different ways. And here we are, ten years later. That's exactly what's happened. Everything I predicted in the book came true, except, you know, sometimes in much greater variety. So I thought, well, you need like a pretty big sample. You know, uh, what the cops often do is they'll give people uh, chewing gum to try to get their saliva. And then they'll offer them, hey, have some potato chips. And they have right. to spit out the gum and they get, oh, we got the gum now. But you don't need that anymore. There's something called touch DNA. You can just put a hat on. And if you're sweating at all, there's enough DNA in the sweat of the headband of the hat that they can do your DNA sequence from that. And that wasn't true 10 years ago when I wrote the book. So in principle, everything there is true, but it's even scarier. Tom Keenan is with us this half hour, uh, author of Techno Creep. We're talking about uh, does your phone listen to you and show you ads? You know, those uncanny moments where you could be talking about something fairly obscure. And next thing you know, there's an ad for it on your phone. Um, Tom thinks there are ways that could happen, not maybe as simple as we think it is, but or fear that it is, but there are ways that it could happen. And uh, he's just back from CES, the big consumer electronics show in Las Vegas, where uh, lots of different products seem to be able to mine us for information, which is then sold back to us in some ways, or they find they know an awful lot about us. Do you feel since you wrote the book uh, a decade ago, do you feel like I get the sense sometimes that we've sort of stopped worrying about privacy as much as we used to, that it's become a bit of a lost battle. A lot of people do. And I mean, there's some good reasons. Like I do online banking because I know that the bank has my back, right? That if something goes wrong with that, they'll probably take care of it. But, you know, there's a lot of things I don't want to do. I wouldn't do online banking like from an airport lounge. There's a couple of physical things. Like I go to a lot of hacker conferences and security conferences. They actually have little physical devices. So if you plug your phone in to charge it somewhere, it will make sure that it only charges and it doesn't actually transfer data. Uh, they have an unfortunate name. We call them uh, uh, USB condoms, but that's what right. they're for. But I'm going to give you a little science project. Let's say you want to solve this phone thing. Well, you need a phone headset that works, maybe, and mm -hmm. uh, either a dog or a pair of scissors. So I solved it with the dog because the dog chewed the headset and chewed off the microphone. But you can do that with a pair of scissors, too. So now what sure. you have is a headset that has no microphone. Plug that into your phone, and you'll look a little stupid walking around with it, but you're pretty well guaranteed that phone is not going to send any sound out. That's a, that's an elaborate way of doing it. I'll have to borrow a dog to, to get this done. Uh, what are some of the ways we could protect? I mean, it does feel like this comes up all the time, but it, it does feel like we just sort of, you know, even even just out of laziness, give away so much information about ourselves. How do you try to stay a little more anonymous uh, so you can, when you're, yeah. You can lie, I mean, or fib. Okay, so for example, if you want to get, like there's some free magazine maybe, and you have to do a health questionnaire. Well, you don't have to tell the truth. So, you know, if it says, do you have diabetes? I check yes, which I don't. And then underneath I check I have gestational diabetes, which means I'm pregnant, which since I said I was male, you know, confuses them. And then they just throw the data away. So a little bit of fudging. Don't give out your real birth date. For heaven's sake, give your real birth date or even birth, you know, month and year and month and day 
is up on Facebook. Get that off there because, you know, that's the kind of information that people can use to identify you. I always pity the New Year's baby, the kid born first after midnight on New Year's Day. For life, that child's birth date is a public piece of information. So, hi, your birth date. Or have lots of birth dates. I get different stores wish me happy birthday every month. So there are ways of doing it, right? Just uh, and I, and I guess you know what I, I noticed that you you had been interviewed for an article a, a ways back about uh, one of those photo contests where you again it seemed like one of those sort of fishing expeditions where they were asking you essentially to put up information about yourself. You're always being encouraged to divulge more about yourself than you should or have to. Yeah, for example, I've worked with my students on facial recognition, and I tell them, don't send your own photo. I happen to have a photo of myself, and it's kind of a cool one because it's taken at ABC News in New York, and we've got the Empire State Building on a monitor in back of me, right? And there's one face of me, and then there's a face on a monitor. And I say, look, send this one into facial recognition, see what it makes of it. And it usually underestimates my age, and it says that I have a 5 o'clock shadow and stuff like that. So fundamentally, don't even give out your picture if you can help it because your picture can be used to identify you it's pretty good technology now to turn your picture into your name and then we get your passport number and then we got you it is yeah i mean i guess you got a while we were talking about that earlier in the show we were talking about these latest these fraud cases in toronto where there people are you know, fraudsters are selling people's homes out from underneath them which is um which again the same kind of stuff where they sort of fi- identity theft right um when you look at some of the other privacy concerns, and this is something that, that I think about quite a bit, um, how about on the health side? You were just talking about being at CES and all these health-related products now. That feels like a slippery slope. I'm older now, but you know, when you give away so much information about your physical condition, it feels like it could be used against you at some point. Oh, absolutely. And all you have to do is Google WeVibe, W-E-V-I-B-E. I won't get too explicit, but it was a connected toy that people could use over a distance. And they actually were measuring how often you use this sex toy. Uh, they measure, measured internal temperatures and things like that. And they Jeez. actually lost a big privacy class action. Everybody who bought one of these things in the state of Michigan got $20,000. My wife said, why the hell didn't you go buy me one? <laughs> Jeez. But you have to watch out with the health stuff, right? Like even your, even your Apple Watch knows an awful lot about the kind of condition your condition is in. It knows way too much and knows your location. You probably have heard that the secret location of a U.S. military base was divulged by guys jogging around the perimeter of the base and logging their jogs on an app called Strava, and the enemy was right. able to figure out where the base was from that. So you are giving out so much information. One good thing to do is to have multiple identities. So if you just have one email address, it's time to create five or ten more and use them for different things. Yeah, you have to keep track of them, but... Uh, now you're, you know, we used to say, don't give out your social insurance number. I would say your email address is probably a better identifier now. We can, we can get your social insurance number, you know, from a database for five bucks on the dark web. But your email address is the thing that ties everything together. Tom, Tom Keenan, luckily we have, some, we have a memory expert coming up who can help us with all those different email addresses we now have to create to make sure our identity is protected. Thank you uh, so much for shedding some light on this. This was the big question over the holidays. Now I have a moderately intelligent answer I can provide. Thanks to you. Okay, thank you.